Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. We're going through 1 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 4 tonight. And up until this time, the first three chapters, Paul's been writing to this church. He's been kind of encouraging them and kind of saying what he likes and what's going on. And now he starts addressing some issues. Like we've said, most of the books written in the New Testament, other than the Gospels and Acts, are written to correct issues that are going on. And so, let's begin. He begins with to set a high standard. That's where he starts. He wants to tell them, here's what you've got to do. So, let's look at the first two verses. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. So he gives them some directions. He says, first of all, I want you to live to please God. You and I live so that God is pleased. We don't want to please other people. Everybody lives to please somebody. Most people live to please themselves. I just want to take care of me. I want what I want, what I like, what I want to do. But he says, look, you are to live in a way that pleases God. And sometimes when you live that way, people don't like it. Most of the time, if you'll do the right thing, people will be okay. But there are times when you try to do what's right to please God that not everybody's going to be on board. And so he said, look, I want you to please God, not you. Romans chapter 15, he writes, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. So here's the question. Is God pleased with our actions and our attitudes? That's a good question, isn't it? Is He pleased with that? Now, there's a phone number on the screen. If you want to ask a question, you can text it in. Pastor Steve's down here. He's got it. We'll answer it as we go along. But this idea of understanding, is God pleased with me? And sometimes we just need to be honest with ourselves. Oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, you're good, but is God good with what you're doing? Does it line up with the way a Christian should be operating? There, First Thessalonians 2.4 We speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of the heart. He looks deep in a place where you and I tend not to want to go. But he goes there and he looks at the heart. So he says, look, I want you to live to please God. And then he also tells them, I want you to listen to instruction. I want you to be able to listen to a teacher. I want you to have some people in your life who will, here it is, tell you what to do. We'll give you instruction. Because here's the thing, you and I don't know it all. In fact, between us, we don't know it all. Collectively, in the room, we don't know it all. Anybody listen? We don't know it all. And twice he says in those two verses, we taught you we taught you, we told you. 
We examined scriptures. We explained it to you. We told you. Now, if you've ever worked with anybody or raised kids, you understand that sometimes something will happen and you look at them and say something like, didn't I tell you? Right? And we all know the answer to that. Yes, I did. But I didn't want to listen to you. And so he says, look, I want you to listen to the instruction. Listening means you not only hear it, but you do it. So he says, look, I I want you to live to please God. I want you to listen to the instructions that you're being given so that you will follow it. And I want you to look for ways to improve. Because all of us have some areas of our life that we could improve in. Now that improvement... (laughs) Let me say it like this, and please hear me. It is not to make you a better person. It is to make you a better Christian. It's to make you more like Christ. I want you to improve. He, he, said, he said, look, you live this way already, but we encourage you to do so even more. There's always room for improvement, isn't there? And so he begins this saying, look, here's the thing, folks. He says, I I want you to live this kind of life. I want you to do this. I want you to live to please God. Uh, We've taught you about this. We hope you heard us. We hope you'll follow through with it. And if you think you're doing it well, do it better. Do it even more. Keep improving. Because all throughout life, there's room for improvement. So he began with this thing of setting a high bar and saying, look, here's what I want. Here's what's going on. Here's what we're looking for. And now he's going to go even farther because he's going to say, I want you to seek sanctification. Big old word. But he explains that word. And we're going to look at that word. It's a a big word. Sanctification. Notice what he says. And we'll get to the definition of that in a moment. Verse 3. God's will is for you to be holy. What's the will of God for you? Be holy. That's what God, well, what's God's will for my life? This is it. I want you to be holy. Stay away from all sexual sin. He's going to start opening a can of worms here, okay? Each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. There's the word holiness again not in lustful passion like the pagans do who do not know God and His ways. Now, you have to understand something before I finish this off. Let me just make sure we're clear. At this time, the worship was held in temples for the the non-believers. They went to the temple. They offered sacrifice. They brought the meat. They brought this. But the temple was also a place of great, deep sexual immorality. And so people who were coming to Christ were coming out of that. And so they had to deal with a change of lifestyle. And so he's saying, look, I don't want you to live in lustful passions like those pagans who worship at that temple, like those who've been doing that. They don't know God and His ways. His ways are different than the ways you've been taught before. Never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. So this is not new teaching, is it? Remember, I've taught you. I told you. 
this, I'm repeating it. God has called us to live, there's the word again, holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching. You're not disobeying me and what I taught you. You're rejecting God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. And so he says, look, I I want you to do this life. I want you to seek sanctification. And in that, here's what he means. First of all, be separate. Another word for sanctification is this word that we've been looking at here, holy. Holy means sanctification. Set apart, different from, not the same. And so he wants you to take your life and separate it from the world. Separate it from sin. Now, see, we tend to use this word holy in another way. Well, you think you're so holy, as perfect as whatever else. Holiness, sanctification, is simply, I am not going to be like the rest of the world. I'm not going to do what they do. I'm not going to go where they go. I'm going to have a life that is set apart, different from, distinctive from, holy. We get a picture of this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. Six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in it, in them. But on the seventh day He rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart, set apart as holy, different from the other six. So He made the seventh day different than the other six days. And that's what it means. He says, be separate. Now, all throughout the New Testament, the call of God is come out from among them. Be separate. Don't be like them. Be different. Now, that's a real struggle for us because we like to blend in. We want to be accepted. We want to be liked. We don't want to be weird. And for some, that's a futile thing you are anyway. But he says, look, here's what I want for you. I want God's will. What, What does God want? I want you to be holy people. I don't want you to be like everyone else. When God called the children of Israel and guided them and took them out of Egypt, he says, I don't want you to be like all these other nations. I don't want you mixing with them. You are a separate people for me. You're holy. You're set apart for me. And now Christ came. That same principle still applies. I want you to be different from everybody else. You have a different belief system, and you have a different way of acting. And then he goes and gets uh, into some difficult subject, be sexually pure. So in other words, stay away from all sexual sin. We live in a sexual society. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, it is there. And if you noticed, it just keeps getting progressively more and more in our face. It just keeps becoming more and more prevalent, deviant. And so he says, look, when we're talking about being holy, I want you to be separate sexually. 
set apart. You're not like the rest of the world and what they believe and what they accept and what they tolerate. You know, um, it's, it's, they, nobody blinks an eye at a couple living together anymore. Nobody blinks an eye at someone doing that. Oh, yeah, it's okay. No, it's not. And so you and I have to understand what Paul is saying to them. Look, you came out of that. I'm telling you, you stay away from it and you set yourselves apart. The writer in Hebrews puts it this way. Give honor to marriage. Remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Pretty clear, right? God says, look, I'm going to judge people for that. I'm going to deal with that. I'm not going to wink at it. I'm not going to say it's okay. Well, you don't understand. Well, it's just what everybody else does. Well, it's just the way the world is. It might be, but that's not the way we are. Okay, yeah, get a little more, you know, okay, good. 1 Corinthians 5.9 gets even a little bolder. When I wrote to you before, notice, you see, have you ever noticed that what goes on here in the New Testament still goes on today and how relevant it is? Here he is in two books. There's other ones too where he's having to address the sexuality going on in the church, going on with Christians. It's not new. You know, our time's so bad, it's never been like this. Oh, here it is. I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. That's pretty clear, right? Well, pastor, what about… No, no, he answers it. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. You'd have to go somewhere in a mountain and isolate yourself because they're everywhere. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is drunkard, or cheats people. How many people has that eliminated from your life, huh? Don't even eat with such people. He says, you've got to set a standard that you're going to keep. You're not going to water it down. You're not going to tolerate things. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get in somebody's face and start preaching at them and tell them they're going to hell, tell them how bad they are and how wrong they are and everything like that. But it does mean that you have a right to someone that you know or are aware of. Hey, you're a believer, right? Yeah. Well, don't you think this type of behavior is wrong? Well, I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, I'm sorry, I do as a Christian. I believe it's wrong. Well, you want to go out to eat? No, I don't. Oh, we should be nice to them. No. Paul in other places says, look, you deal with something so that they'll begin to recognize what's going on, and know that their standard is not acceptable. Because you see, the more you befriend these people, stay with these people, 
your presence with them is validating their behavior. And sometimes you have to take a step of walking away without being harsh, without being rude, but maintaining a life that says, I am going to be the person God wants me to be, and I don't want to be with people like that. Now, notice what he said. We're only talking about people who claim to be a Christian. There's people in the world who don't claim to be a Christian. Okay, I want to work on them. I want to let my light shine before them. The people who call themselves Christians, well, I'm going to put it this way, they should know better. And someone sometime has to take a stand that says, I care for you, I love you, but as long as you engage in that behavior, you know God's not pleased with that, and neither am I. No questions? We're good? Okay. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Now, I'm not going to try to avoid this. I'm just going to tell you up front, I don't get it. Okay? I don't understand it. Here's what I do understand, though. Sexual sin affects you differently than all the other sins. It has a different pull on you, a different result in you. It is different from. It's still sin. But what happens when you do that, when you're involved in it, you know, it affects the body none as, as this one does. It affects you differently. And it does. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. It's not your body to do with whatever you want. For God brought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Now, committed sexual sin, here's what I know. God will forgive you. God forgives all sin. But as we've taught you before, there are consequences to sin. Yes, there's forgiveness, but yes, there are consequences as well. And you can go through the consequences and still be forgiven, but it will affect your life you will have to deal with certain issues and certain things because of it. And so you and I have to understand what Paul is writing here. He says, look, I want you to be separate. And when I say separate, I mean sexually separate as well, so that you are not like the rest of the world. And folks, that's going to become a harder and harder thing. It's sad how in the church so many people believe you don't have to be married, but you can live together. It's just sad. The world says it's fine. What's the big deal? Everybody's doing it. In fact, the world encourages us to do it and teaches our kids to do it. 
And at some point, we have to say, that's wrong. It's not right. Well, we're living together, but nothing's happened sexually. Who are you kidding? I'll move on. And he says, I want you to continue to show love. Remember verse 9 of there, he says, look, I, I don't need to write to you about the importance of showing love to it for each other, but God's already taught you how to do that, how you need to do that. You show love to each other. Notice what he says. We don't need to write you about the importance of loving each other. God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. We'll get back to that. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. I'm just waiting for that one. You know, just want to make sure you got that. Working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. So he comes to that place. He says, I want you to continue to show love. And not only that, I want you to love more. I want you to do it even more than you're doing. Well, I can't love you anymore. Yes, you can. You keep laying down your life. You keep giving of yourself. You keep growing in that. You keep loving more and more and more. Well, I'm only going to love to this point. No, no, no. Everything in the walk with God keeps increasing, keeps giving more, keeps giving more. You've always got more love to give. So he says, love more. Keep giving it. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Well, I've, I'm exhausted. I can't give any more myself. Yes, you can. Well, I've loved them so much it hurts. Keep hurting more. Keep going. Keep loving. And then he says, live responsibly. Live responsibly. In other words, you live a quiet life. You mind your own business. Why? It is the Holy Spirit's job to deal with other people. Stay out of His way. Now, at times He may use you but too many times we interfere with our opinions, with what we want. And what he says here is a Christian should have a great reputation. You don't run around creating problems. You help bring healing. You live responsibly. You earn your living. Now, here's what you have to understand when he's writing this. The Greeks, the Gentiles, they despised manual labor. In fact, in Greek culture, they thought manual labor was the work of slaves. So what happens when they come and accept Christ, they're sitting around doing nothing because, well, that's not my job. That's the work for somebody else. And what happens then is they begin to create a bad reputation for everybody else. They didn't work, and they expected it just to be provided for them. And so Paul's coming in lovingly, kindly, look, you used to go to that temple. You used to worship in this manner with that. 
You're not doing that anymore. You're holy. Set yourself apart. Don't act like that. You don't get to be sexually immoral. And you have a responsibility to live a life that's responsible to God and to people. And don't just try and get by. Now, that's a hard thing to say to some people, isn't it? But yet he's being very blunt with them. He's trying to tell them, look, here's what you need to do. You need to live in a way that takes care of life. Mind your own business. Work with your hands. We've taught you this before. (laughs) How many times in this little phrase that we've looked at tonight, how many times has he said, we've taught you this already? We've told you this already. We're telling you again. You've heard it before. So people who are not Christians will respect the way you live. Now, that's how you please God. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes again to them, in chapter 3, Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Well, how harsh is that? Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work. (laughs) And if you're refusing to work, you got too much time on your hands and you end up meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. Now, he taught them initially. He wrote 1 Thessalonians and taught them again, and now he has to write. This is their third time, right? As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Don't look at what somebody else is doing and say, well, if that's the way they're going to do it, I'm going to do it. Don't become critical of what other people are doing. You don't get tired of doing what's right. Well, nobody else is. That's fine. You do. You do it. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so that they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies. Want them, warn them, help them, as you would a brother or a sister. Help them. So that the people who are not Christians will respect the way you live. Now, it's pretty hard stuff, isn't it? Have you noticed, I hope, how contrary it is to the world that we live in? in the society that we're in, that makes it even a little harder, doesn't it? And Paul understands that, and we still struggle with it today. It's not new. It's still here. So the question tonight is simply this. Paul's written this letter to this church, but he's also written it to you and I. And are we willing to take to heart what He has to say to us. And is there an area in your life that you know right now, I need to change some things? 
Can't blame anybody else. Can't make excuses. Am I living a life to please God? Is my life set apart for God? Is it holy? Is it, am I living for Him alone? Is my actions representing Him well so that other people who aren't believers are impressed with the way that I live? And if the answer isn't yes, then what is it you need to deal with? And would you take a moment, as I conclude in prayer, would you just take a moment between you and God and say, God, I I hear you. I know what I need to do. Please help me. Okay? Father, tonight, the standards of the world are far below the standards of God. Because your ways are perfect. Your ways are for our benefit They help us be the people you want us to be and be the people we want to be. They help us live a life that is joyful, peaceful, and has blessing on it because of the way that we live. And so, Lord, tonight, would you help us not to excuse ourselves? Would you help us not to be looking at somebody else? Would you help us just to respond to what your Holy Spirit is saying to us now and ask for your help? And as we go from this place this evening, we go determined to live the life that will please you and you will be proud of. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for giving us the strength to do this. Help us. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.